Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Just a quick question before we get into the message. Does anybody in here remember what sunshine looks like? I have a faint memory of it. I, I thought monsoons only happened around the equator. But, I mean, when's the last time we had a full, sunshiny, bright day? It, it's been a while, hadn't it? Or am I just not remembering? July? <laughs> that's, that's what it seems like. Well, missions. Again, it's really a part of what our theme has been this year. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, That mission being given to the church means that we all bear responsibility. And we looked at Acts chapter 13, the first three verses, really is a narrative about the very first missionaries ever sent out. This afternoon, I want to focus on what happened. Now they're gone what happens? And it, bears, it has relevance for us today. But before we get to that part, just three quick points, three quick reminders, uh, things we learned from this morning. Number one, the first thing we observe is that a missionary is someone commissioned and sent by the Christian church, okay? It, it is a special calling of God. And you've heard missionaries give testimonies about the fact that in some cases they just felt it, sensed it, and responded. Others felt it, sensed it, and fought it. But it is a particular calling on on an individual. Just like me, I felt a calling to pastor when I was over in Chicago. And it was very real, and it was very definite. It is a a special calling of God directed at you. And then it's verified by the congregation. Uh, what, what we see here, and here's an interesting note, it is highly interesting and obviously important that Paul had already had a spectacular experience of a divine calling on, on the road to Damascus. You know, he experienced that, that miracle. He, he was caused to be blind for a while, and he heard the very voice of God. So God's already been dealing with Paul. And Barnabas, it said, had been involved in Christian ministry in Jerusalem since the days immediately following Pentecost. We are nevertheless told with some emphasis that they were set apart for the work of itinerant evangelism or missions and church planting by the leadership and the congregation of the church in Antioch. I mean, that tells us missions is special, missions is important. Paul had already had this miraculous conversion. Barnabas had been saved, and he's, he's doing the work of the ministry. But this is something special, something unique. It requires a special calling. And we, we see that these men, they, they admit that they've had this calling. They testify, might be a better word. They testify that they've had this calling, and the church there at Antioch affirms that. And, and it, it is a special calling of God. That's what a missionary is. But the second thing we observe is that missionaries invariably operate with a plan guided by the Holy Spirit. 
when you go to a distant land, even on vacation, you, you got to have a plan. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to stay? What are we going to do? I mean, that's just, say, on a vacation. But in ministry, it requires even more planning. It requires even more preparation. It requires even more guidance of the Lord. You want to make sure you're in the Lord's will. I love this quote right here. The church sent them off and they left Antioch. One thing is very clear. They didn't walk 13 miles to the port of Seleucia, flip a coin, and in that way choose a boat and a destination. That's a very interesting way of pointing out the fact that they had a plan. They were guided by the Holy Spirit of God. This work is too important to waste time, waste energy, waste resources. It's very critical that they follow the Holy Spirit of God and that they have a plan. And it was under God's leading that they go to the island of Cyprus first. So we need to be sensitive to that as, uh, with our missionaries. You know, what is the plan? I don't know. Where are you going? I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know. Okay, next, you know, we're not going to support you. You know, we want to know, you know, how is the Lord leading you? Where is he leading you? What's the plan? What are you going to do? And the third thing we observe is that missionaries are entrusted, this is a good point, with a message here summed up as the word of God. This morning we looked at verses 1, 2, and 3. Let's look down at verse number 4 and 5. So then, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, there's the emphasis again, this is God's work, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, which is on the eastern side of the island, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. John Mark joins them. So, in the end, it is Paul, it is Barnabas, and it is John Mark. And that is, John Mark, that is significant. His name is going to come up a lot in next Sunday's message. But anyway... They're entrusted with a message, and that is the word of God. I have met veteran missionaries who have been on foreign fields for a long time, and their paths often cross with other missionaries, not just of their own stripe, but missionaries of other denominations. And I suppose when you're in Kenya, you're going to automatically strike up a conversation with a missionary, you know, from Indiana, even if he's Pentecostal or Methodist or whatever. Hey, there's an American. There's somebody I can relate to. And so they get to know each other, as they should, as they should. But I've had veteran missionaries tell me about even particular denominations of missionaries, that they do everything but give the gospel. That may be hard to believe, but I've had veteran missionaries tell me that. Missionaries that I trust. They said, yeah, this this whole group, I won't even give the denomination, but they have a a group of missionaries over there. And he said, it's not about the gospel with them. It's about hospitals. It's about uh, drilling wells and providing with fresh water. All well and good. And he said, but I, he said, I talked to people. He said, I investigated. He says there is no, you know, giving of the gospel. Well, what do we read here? Acts 13, 4. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues. 
I mean, that's what it's, that's our model, folks. Not to say that doing other things are wrong. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that at all. But they must all be supplement, supplementary to giving people the gospel. Listen to this. Christian missionaries have been very inventive people, often going where no one of their race or language or background has ever gone before, and learning what to do, what no one of their background has ever done before. But they were not inventors of their message. They preach today the same message that Paul and Barnabas preached. They build the church on the same foundation upon which the apostles built in their day. And that's very critical. Some people might think that I'm being too picky, uh, you know, too uh, asking too many questions. But, folks, my experience and what I've learned is not all mission groups, not all mission agencies have as their primary focus uh, the gospel. And my model from Scripture as to what the primary focus ought to be is the presentation of the gospel. And that's why we ask the Holy Spirit, I ask the Holy Spirit for guidance whenever we have an opportunity to uh, talk to a missionary that might be interested in our support. It is important that our doctrine be similar and that that, that the cause and the mission be, be biblical, that you're going there to spread the gospel, to see people saved and to organize them into local churches. That is not, though, always the case. So the first thing we observe is that the missionary is someone commissioned uh, and sent by the local church. Then we learn that missionaries operate under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the missionaries and the church. And third, we learn that critical is that they preach the word of God, that they share the gospel. Now, having said that, let's look at Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse number 4. In Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, we see you have these five leaders in the church. They're fasting, they're praying, they're involved in ministry. And the Holy Spirit speaks and says, I'm calling Paul and Barnabas to leave and go to foreign lands. And the congregation acknowledges, they affirm that, they pray for them, they, they send them away. Now we're going to read about them leaving. They go to the seacoast. They catch a boat to Cyprus. Let's pick up in Acts chapter 13, verse number 4. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, being led by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. And from thence, there at that seacoast town, they sailed across the Mediterranean to Cyprus. And when they were in Salamis, that's a city on the eastern side of the island, they preached the word of God, and they often started in synagogues. They often would start with the Jews and then spread out from there to the Gentiles. And they had also John to their minister, John Mark, is with them. Verse number 6. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, They go across the island to Paphos, to the town of Paphos. What's interesting about Paphos is very immoral city. They worshipped Venus there. Venus was the goddess, you could say, of debauchery, if you will. So it's a very wicked city, a very Gotham and Gomorrah kind of city, a kind of a Las Vegas kind of city by today's standards. 
and they found a certain sorcerer there. He was a false prophet. He was a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus. Sergius Paulus is the Roman official there in this city. The Bible describes him as a prudent man. So you have this sorcerer. We're introduced to our first two characters, Bar-Jesus, and then you have Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. So you have this Roman consular. You have this Roman official. And obviously he gets wind of Paul and Barnabas. They're preaching the word of God. And he's curious about that. But there is this anti-figure there, Bar-Jesus, who is a sorcerer. He's involved in witchcraft. He's involved with demons and all that kind of stuff. And in verse number 8, he's referred to as Elimus. Same guy, just different name. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them. Here you have these two missionaries on their first missionary journey. They're in their first foreign country, and they run into this sorcerer. And he is withstanding them. He is giving them grief. He is attacking them. He is making life hard for them. He is making life miserable for them. And part of the reason, the Bible tells us, is seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. That's that Roman official that was interested and said, bring these two guys to me. I want to hear what they have to say. Well, Satan is using this sorcerer to intervene and try to keep this man from hearing the gospel. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. He sees this sorcerer. What a dramatic moment that must have been. This sorcerer, perhaps, I don't know, working behind the scenes or trying to discredit them or giving them grief. You know, Paul knows about him. Now he sets his eyes on him. And in verse number 10, and said, O fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil. This is Paul addressing the sorcerer. Thou enemy of all righteousness. Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? So Saul gets him, Paul. And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. Moral of the story, don't mess with God. Don't, don't, don't mess with God. And he, the sorcerer, went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Here he is taking on God's man in a very evil, vile way, attempting to keep this Roman uh, official from uh, coming to Christ. And he is struck with blindness. And now he can do them no harm. And he has to be led around by the hand. And then look in verse number 12. And the deputy, that's that Roman official, Sergius Paulus, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine 
of the Lord. The Roman official folks got saved. He got saved. What had the church at Antioch been too busy quarreling among themselves to send missionaries? What if they had been focused on other things? What if they were just carnal and just going to church for what they could get out of it and really weren't interested in sending missionaries? What if Paul and Barnabas, John Mark, what if the Lord had tapped them on the shoulder and said, I want you to go to Cyprus? What if they, no, 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 no. What if they had responded negatively? Could it have been that this man wouldn't have gotten saved? Because Paul and Barnabas were willing to be sent, because the church at Antioch was willing to send them, a man was saved in Paphos. Think about that for a second. He got saved. Do you reckon he went to his best friend and he told him, says, guess what? I met these two guys, these three guys. And this guy named Paul, he preached. And he said, I don't know what happened, but I felt it. And he was talking about Jesus. And he tells his buddy, he said, I, I believed. He said, I found, he said, you may not understand me. He's talking to his buddy. I'm just surmising, imagining. I heard the truth today. I believe that. I, I heard the truth. I can't tell you, but I got a peace now. Uh, I, uh, I found what I've been searching for. I, I've never been happy. I've always thought to myself that there had to be something more. There had to be something better. <coughs> And I never thought that, you know, just what I was experiencing was all it. But I have found the truth. I imagine perhaps he went to his wife. He gets home, hangs his coat up by the door and goes in and says, Son, honey, sit down. He said, you're not going to believe what happened at work today. He said, I got saved. You got what? I got saved today. What do you mean you got saved? Listen to me. He takes her by the hand. And he said, I don't know a whole lot about this. But a man told me about Jesus and how that he went to the cross and he died for me. And that through faith in him, I can know Jesus and have eternal life. He told me that I was a sinner and without Christ in my life, I would die and spend eternity in hell. Sweetheart, I got saved today. Daddy, you got what? Oh, kids, come here, come here, come here. Let, let me tell you. 